Listen now for God's living word for you, people of God. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of the Lord endures forever. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes and open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Moneyball or if you read the book, but it tells the story of the professional baseball team, the Oakland A's, and their successful 2002 season. Now, the team's management was tasked with fielding a championship team, but year after year, their budget was among the smallest in the league. Their star players would move to larger teams. They had more money and could offer larger salaries. And the general manager, Billy Bean, would gather the scouts and management, and they would try and find a way to replace the star players. And around this large table would sit decades worth of experience and baseball knowledge and leadership in in professional sports, and yet they would go through rosters, through trade possibilities, through scouting reports, and they could not find a way, leading into the 2002 season, they could not find a way to build a team as competitive as the one that they had been. It's a long story. The short version is that Bean decides they need a new way to build a new kind of team considering the limitations that they have. So Bean begins challenging everything his team knows about baseball. He challenges the scouts and how they go and look at players. He challenges the management about the decisions that he makes. He challenges the players about how they play on the field. He asks all of them 
to let go of all the knowledge they have and all the assumptions that they carry about the game of baseball and to start over, start fresh, to do something entirely new. So as they put this team together, the management that is, instead of looking for the best players for each position, they use statistics. And they talk to the coaches to change the way these players would operate on the field using the gifts and strengths they had and disregarding all weaknesses. It challenged everything they knew about baseball. Statistically speaking, they calculated the number of runs that they would need to field a winning baseball team. And so they started looking for undervalued players, not because of their home runs or their RBIs or their statistical averages, but because of the number of times they would get on base the frequency with which they could get other players in to score. They, instead of looking for the star players, the, most, the best players for each position who had the largest salaries, they looked for a team who collectively could have the statistics of a championship team, even if every player on it might be someone who would be passed over by another team. Truth be told, it started out pretty bad. Really bad. They weren't just last place. (laughs) They were really in last place. The entire city and the fan base, they were ready to fire Bean, the general manager. Fast forward, he's still their general manager all these years later. But Bean kept asking the players and the coaches to stick with it, to stick with this new way of playing baseball, even though behind closed doors he was pulling his hair out and nervous that the whole team was going to fall apart. He asked them to let go of all of the old strategies, all of their preconceived notions, all of the assumptions they, they had about themselves, about one another as a baseball team, and about what it meant to play a powerhouse team like the Yankees or the Red Sox. And remember, this is 2002, or the Detroit Tigers. He kept telling the players, play your strengths. Get on base as often as you can. The wins will follow. The coaches and the players began to let go of the resistance. They started to listen. They started to listen to themselves. They started to listen to one another. And something began to happen. They started to win. Not just win, they really won. Some people say that the Oakland A's in 2002, that this team reinvented the game of baseball. That's a nice superlative. But what really happened is that they reinvented themselves. They reinvented themselves by starting at the beginning, by cleaning the slate and saying, how do you play baseball in 2002, 
They open themselves to a new way of thinking by letting go of all of their assumptions about baseball. And they didn't win the World Series. No, they did not. But they did set the record for the longest win streak in professional baseball, 20 consecutive wins. It's incredible. In the end, winning in baseball did not belong to the richest teams or to the most powerful teams or the most influential people in baseball. It belonged to the team that was willing to set aside all of their assumptions, everything they knew, in order to see what new possibilities they could live into. In the Gospel of Mark, The disciples are holding back the families. Jesus is important, and there's crowds of people, and Jesus is trying to meet with these people. So they're trying to protect Jesus. They're noble. But Jesus says to them indignantly, No, let the children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, Jesus says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And Jesus explains that to really experience faith, one must approach God in their own life like a child. Jesus, in this moment, is is turning to the adults, is teaching me and you and these disciples that the fullest life of faith, the gift of experiencing God in our lives requires the openness, the curiosity, the blank canvas, the willingness to learn with the innocence of a child. This year I've been trying to seek this kind of openness in my own life, in my own faith. It wasn't actually something I chose. It was more something that chose me. You see, each year on Epiphany Sunday, which is generally the first Sunday in January, this church, at least in recent years, has been in the practice of distributing star words. Every person who wants one can take a star word. And the idea is is that just as the Magi, the wise ones followed a star that guided them to Jesus, that we in this church receive a star word, a a star that has a word on it, and that word can be something that we pray on and meditate on, and it can guide us through the year toward Jesus. This is one of those moments when the preacher is preaching to themselves, because my word this year was a Japanese word, It was Shoshin. And when I received it, my first reaction was, what on earth is this? And then I learned that Shoshin, excuse me, Shoshin means beginner's mind. It is a word, a phrase that's used to express an attitude of openness, of of eagerness, a lack of assumptions, a, a putting aside of preconceived ideas when one is learning. 
as one whose faith practices have been deeply rooted in Christianity's contemplative traditions of different ways of meditation and prayer, this word, this idea is something I've crossed paths with before but have never been asked to take so seriously as this year. And in meditation and in martial arts, people are encouraged to learn as a beginner would. And when they're learning and they're achieving, even at advanced levels, even as professionals, even as experts, they are asked to start at the beginning. They are encouraged to treat even the thing they know the most about with a beginner's mind. And as one who teaches prayer, as one who several years ago was asked to lead an entire weekend retreat for another congregation about prayer, it strikes me that I need to approach my own faith with a beginner's mind. And in doing this, I turn to a Japanese teacher, Suzuki Shinru, who says this about the beginner's mind. The mind of the beginner is empty, free of habits of the expert, ready to accept, to doubt, to open to all of the possibilities. It is the kind of mind which can see things as they are. It is not as what we want them to be, but as they are. In the beginner's mind, there is no thought that I have attained something. All self-centeredness, all self-centered thoughts limit our vast mind. When we have no thought of achievement, no thought of self, we become true beginners. Then we can really learn something. And the beginner's mind is a mind of compassion. When our mind is compassionate, it is boundless. And Jesus says, as the children leave their parents' hands and run to them, Jesus says, it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And in Scripture, Jesus describes the kingdom of God as an experience of God in our lives that is marked by an overwhelming love, a wonderful compassion. And when it's lived in communities, they are generous to one another. Their goodness is at the center of their relationships. It is in these kinds of communities where healing and wholeness are sought and found in God. And it is the kingdom of God received like a child. It is in this experience where God's desires for the world can be most readily fulfilled. If the world is to exist as God designed it, Jesus says we must turn to the world as a child would, as a beginner would, ready to open ourselves, to be eager and ready to learn from God and to learn 
from one another. It's unexpected wisdom that Jesus offers, isn't it? It is counterintuitive because usually we look for the expert in the room. We look for the person with the most knowledge, the person with the most experience. We look for the people who are like the managers and the scouts and the all-stars on the Oakland A's to show us how to play. We look for the commonly accepted knowledge and we assume that it's what we need. And sometimes it might be but we can't receive it unless we have the openness of a child or an adult with a beginner's mind. Assumptions and preconceived notions can trip us up. A lack of openness can hold us back in so many ways. And as I told you, I was practicing this in my own life. I want to tell you a story since I planned worship weeks ahead, and this theme I was engaging. I had an experience this last Tuesday that I felt like because this was the sermon this week, I really had no choice. When my daughter, Phoebe, who's three years old, wanted to play camping. So on Tuesdays, which are my Sabbath days, every pastor takes a day of rest during the week because they are here on Sundays. I took my Sabbath day for, I take it each week to focus my life on my family and my faith, and I spend Tuesdays with my three-year-old daughter, Phoebe. And Phoebe said she wanted to play camping, and that meant that we had to get in the car and drive to the woods. And normally that means we get on the sofa that turns into a camper van. But she said, no, 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 we got we to gotta drive there. And I said, wait, what do you mean? We got to go outside. Okay, so I follow her outside, and she walks to the garage, and she says, the door's closed. You got to open it, Dad. So I went in, and I opened it, and I thought she was going to get her bike or something like that. And... She said, no, Dad, open the door. She meant to my car. I said, why, where are we going? She said, we're going to go find the cabin. There's a cabin in the woods. We're going to go to it. And I said, but we have to take my car? She's like, yeah, you're going to have to drive me. (laughs) (laughs) So I went in and got my keys and my wallet, totally unprepared for what was about to happen. And I said, I don't know where we're going, so you're going to have to tell me. Normally, this is the point at which I say, no, we're going to go inside. The sofa is going to become the camper. We're going to drive on the sofa. Sorry, but but I was preaching the sermon, and I didn't really have a choice. I said, let's just see where this goes. Oh, boy. I tell her, you're going to have to tell me where to go because I don't know where the cabin is. So she basically directed me to Jefferson Avenue and then asked me to drive down Lakeshore. Go to the lake, Dad, go to the lake. So we drive down the lake and we go by St. Paul's Church. And I say, hey, is that the cabin? She goes, no, Dad, that's a church. Don't be silly. (laughs) Dads, I tell you. So we got to Moross and I go, hey, it's an intersection. Do we turn? Nope, keep going straight. Now she has no idea where she's going either. You have to remember this, she's three, right? So we keep going, we get to Vernier. No, Dad, keep going straight. We end up at the Etzel and Eleanor Ford house. We're driving up, and she goes, Dad, I think that's the cabin. 
It's a gatehouse. <laughs> it's way bigger than any cabin I've been in. And it's the gatehouse. So we turn in and the man says, yeah, you can, you can explore the grounds, but you need a pass. Okay, where do I get a pass? You go to the visitor center. I go to the visitor center to get a pass. And the woman at the desk says, oh, are you here for story time? Um, I thought about trying to explain what had just happened up to this point. I thought, no, we're here for story time. So she gets uh, us for story time and says, well, if you get on this shuttle, it'll take you over there. And so we end up at story time, which happens to be on the lawn of a playhouse that was built for Josephine Ford. It's larger than any playhouse you and I have ever seen. It's extraordinary, but, but you know what? It's the size of a cabin. And as we walk up for story time, my little daughter, Phoebe, says, Dad, we're here. It's the cabin. And I'll tell you, I think I was speechless for the rest of the day. And it started when I said yes, when I would otherwise say no. No, let's go back in and play. No, let's not turn onto Jefferson Avenue. No, let's go back home. I kept saying yes when I would otherwise say no. I kept making myself open when I otherwise would have closed the door and ended up experiencing the wonder of a child. We need to look at the world with an open heart like a child, with a beginner's mind free of assumption, so that we can experience our lives and our faith to its very fullest. And, and this needs to happen all the time, but it's hard. And we need this wisdom for the times when we are joyful and we are ready to experience it. But we also need this wisdom in times when we are frustrated or when we need forgiveness or when offering love is hard. Because if we think baseball is only about scoring runs, we might miss the glorious ways in which those runs might be scored. If our emotional lives focus only on what we do not have, and how life is not the way it was or the way we want it to be, we might actually struggle to open ourselves and our lives to the kingdom of God because we might just be closing our hearts to what Jesus is bringing into the life of the world through us. So friends, my prayer for you this week, because it's a prayer that I'm making for myself, is that your heart is open and eager and that you find in your life and your faith that you can turn to God with the curiosity and the wonder and the imagination of a child. That you might be able to turn to the world with a beginner's mind that is free of assumptions and ready to take in possibility 
so that we, that we, that all of us may enter the kingdom of God. Amen.